The Federal Procurement Data System has a list of private contractors who provide services to Guantanamo Bay that you can organize by companies that are woman-owned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Busted Business Girl. I'm Christian Berkey. This podcast is a one-woman operation, and that woman is now 26 and has to pay out-of-pocket for health insurance. So if you Yikes. like the pod, you can throw money at me at patreon.com slash Bureau. Meow. Mm. So y'all know what the hell it is. Today we have cool chick Amy Doe and future non-binary Republican Blender Blue. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> How's it going, y'all? Um, I am so standing woman emoji this morning. It's crazy. Yikes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> say more or say less. What was standing I mean, you know, sometimes you just wake up and, like, you know, you're the dancing lady emoji. But mm. today I would say I'm very much a standing woman emoji. Mm. Okay. I'm um, kind of a blank slate, ready to <laughs> let someone else really just kind of mess with me. That's brave. Ready to learn. What emoji would you say you are today? Monkey. That was fast. Monkey. Yeah. Which one? Uh, crouching monkey. Oh. Full body monkey. Not like eyes closed <laughs> monkey? Nope, monkey. <laughs> Are you like generally, is that your default? <laughs> My bad. <laughs> My default is monkey. Okay. Genderless ape giving. Yeah. <laughs> Blue, how about you? Uh, uh, I want to be the fencing person. Ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You're giving fencing. Thank now, you. This is uh, not recorded through video. But Audio only medium. Audio only medium. <laughs> yeah, Blender still is in the Blender getup. The hey, full this is, fit. That's what I do. Um, it's giving fencing. Yeah. It's giving patriotic. <laughs> and I'm wearing shorts because I'm playing volleyball after this. What so position do you play? The entire outfit makes no sense. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> position. <laughs> Interesting that you think I know that. <laughs> um, I go wherever they tell me to go. <laughs> <laughs> you said that you were going to start a fantasy volleyball league and that you're going to start watching whatever professional volleyball like TV gonna station be a they launch. There's going to be a professional televised volleyball league in February 2024. Shout out to the Gorals, okay? <laughs> We're about to launch into a multi-part season, but I wanted to make it a little different from the Monsanto season. I know, character Ooh. development. So we're not going to be talking about one company this season. We're going to be sampling a smorgasbord of private military contractors. Hell okay? yeah. And here's the thing. I could have done a season that's just like mm. Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed mm. Martin Part 2 through 9. <laughs> but my interest is not really army munitions for this season when it comes to private military contracting. You want my hot take that white phosphorus is bad? You got it. It's bad. <laughs> white phosphorus. <laughs> but no, I'm more interested in like when when troops are deployed overseas, who supplies their beds? Mm. Who built the barbed wire fence? Who staffs the on-site McDonald's? This <laughs> is an on-site McDonald's? <laughs> Oh, do you want to talk about it? As it turns out, there's a lot to cover on the subject. So this is going to be an entire season dedicated to private military contracting, mostly focused on Iraq, if I'm being so real. That's the thing I know a lot that's about. That's real. It's a very intentional choice. I wouldn't just pick it for no reason. So I'm going to start you off with a uh, tidbit that's not very fun, but it's a tidbit. Hmm. And apologies in advance. It's about Abu Ghraib, but I'm keeping it PG. So I've talked about it on this podcast multiple times, literally with the two of you. <laughs> okay, it comes up every time we're, for some reason on this podcast. Hell yeah. Abu Ghraib was a prison complex. It's also like a place in Iraq where U.S. soldiers tortured and abused Iraqi people accused of having some sort of information, most of whom were completely unwitting civilians. The events that took place at Abu Ghraib in the early 2000s are like universally understood as war crimes, right? Hmm. And the participating U.S. soldiers faced some legal consequences for their participation in it. But here's the thing. Not all of those soldiers spoke Arabic, but their job was to get information from these people, right? How do they do that? The U.S. government had hired a private contractor to assist them with translation services. What? They had hired somebody else to assist them with the interrogations. <gasps> Employees for both companies canonically participated in the torture, right? So while the soldiers involved, who are functionally employed by the government, were publicly accountable, they were prosecuted for their crimes, not a single one of those private contractors has faced any consequences for what happened Whoa. at Abu Ghraib. Wow. Even though, again, they've been officially confirmed to have, like, gleefully participated in the wanton human rights abuses. Why? Why not? Oh, my God. Literally in the, question, in the script, it says why. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, thanks for studying. To answer that question, that's going to be this whole episode. Okay. Is answering Ooh. why. Okay. Wow. Um, 
And it's going to kind of legally set the window dressing for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. Because if I were to stop and have to explain the law every time something nutty came up, it would just be so many tangents. And it would be just unlistenable. That's Mm -hmm. true. So this is not really going to be a businessy, busted business bureau episode. It's going to be a legal one. It's going to be indulging in my dream of being a lawyer by day and a piano player by night. Okay. (laughs) That was my sixth grade uh, fantasy. That's a fun 90s TV show. It was giving, if I'm being so real. Go to Dueling Pianos. Go to Dueling Pianos. Uh, So... This is going to be a lot of fun. And by a lot of fun, I mean very depressing. Are you ready? Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Keep going anyway. So first, let me crack my back. Let me uh, place some of the following information into some historical context. Remember World War II? Yes. No. (laughs) Wasn't wasn't there. So I was. Oh. (laughs) What was your favorite part? Rose in your thorn about World War II. <laughs> well, I'm going to start with my bud. <laughs> Famously, the United States fought in World War I, and as the events of World War II <laughs> waged on, FDR is reelected, defeating a Republican named Wendell Wilkie. Hell yeah. Just wanted to throw that one out there. How oh, tall I, was I he? I dated someone with the last name Wilkie. I wonder if they were related. Say Ooh. more. Brittany Wilkie, shout out to you. Oh my God. Brittany Full government name. <laughs> I think she's married, so it's not her last name anymore. Oh, anonymous. Good for you. <laughs> I thought you were going to drop the new one on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the hyphenate. <laughs> So, in 1940, the FDR administration passes a law allowing for conscription during peacetime, which we didn't previously have, in heavy anticipation of joining World War II. Oh, okay. So, like, before it was just declare war, then get the soldiers, Mm -hmm. but... The law changed, and so it was like, oh, we're probably going to go to war. Better start Mm. stockpiling soldiers now. And so, Precisely so. So in 1941, the the U.S. officially joins World War II, and they make a whole declaration of war about it. We have not officially been to war since then. Okay. Wait, what? (laughs) I had the same question. (laughs) But, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. what, what about all the war? Yeah. We... <laughs> uh, what war? What the fuck are you talking about? So, <laughs> wait, so what does it mean to have an official declaration of war? It, it's. I think it's like a piece of paper, right? Okay. Like a congressional ah. declaration. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter how many troops you deploy overseas to bomb the shit out of people. If you haven't okay. made an official declaration of war, according to the courts, we are not at war. Yeah. We, we didn't print anything out when we went to Iraq. <laughs> Yeah, the, we didn't the printer con- was broken. Yeah, <laughs> it was out of toner. I hit Control P a yeah. bunch of times. But... What does Control P do? Oh, print. <laughs> you print out everything. Little hotkeys. Are nerd. you not hitting Control P? <laughs> not hitting Control. You go no, to File dude. Print. Yes. Just, with the drop down menu. I do too. I'm nervous. What if it just on print- your shitty little Chromebook? Control I, P. First of all, a comedian broke my Chromebook, and now I have a new computer. Wait, what did they do to your Chromebook? Name he- the comedian. Uh, First and last should, name. Should I name it? Because yes. I didn't know his name. It's Chris Trady. Wow. <laughs> he does this bit. Count your days. And apparently he's done it many times, and this is a nightmare for any venue. So Chris mm. Trady, I'm talking to you. <laughs> he like is this composer who, I don't know, didn't study or something, and then like has a meltdown during his performance and smashes his electric keyboard on stage. And he buys a new electric keyboard to do this every time. And my computer, I was doing a PowerPoint right after him. Wait a second. And he fucking broke my computer. Were we at that show? Yes, that was the history mystery yeah. show that I was what? so pissed about. I did not realize your laptop got toast. broken. And, oh my God. <laughs> and Did like, he pay for it? Uh, the I, replacement? You think comedians have money? You think comedians have money? Well, he has keyboard money. He does have keyboard yeah, that's money. That's <laughs> I'm considering You want him to not do this bit again? <laughs> I, I came up to him and Everyone in the green room has never seen me so angry. Yeah. And when I get angry, I get like quiet and way too formal. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I made a formal declaration of war against Chris Trady <laughs> that day. You hit control P that night. I hit control P that I night. Can I can't believe Control it. pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was so furious. Control pay for my laptop. <laughs> yeah, control pissed, control pay. <laughs> Control, please don't follow me back on Instagram. I'm Control. You. Period. <laughs> so, so you, so the U.S. Hit, has never hit Control P since World War II. Since World War II, we have not hit Control P. I forget. I remember I was answering a question, and now I don't remember what I was answering. <laughs> 
So FDR's peacetime draft law, though, is never taken off the books. So we can always, like from World War II, like conscript people into the war. That's why we do it during Vietnam. Mm. We're not officially at war, but we can still do the draft anyway. People are correctly pissed off about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Re- remember Vietnam protesting? Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys there? Uh, you know, it's unconstitutional, it's inhumane. A twinkle in my dad's eye. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, way to make it about you. <laughs> <laughs> way to make Vietnam about you, dude. I mean, is Vietnam in the room with us right now? <laughs> And in 1971, Nixon cooks up the legislation announcing that the draft is on standby, uh, and it goes into effect in 1973, I think. I don't know. That's what mm. Google said. You may have noticed, though, that we, have, we haven't exactly not been at war, right? Mm-hmm. Engaging in conflict with bombs. Additionally, humans have found new, unique, and brave ways to bomb the fuck out of each other, which is requiring more specialized knowledge, right? So if you don't have a pool of, you know, people at your disposal, where are you to turn? Mm. Private contracting is the answer to that mm. question. People in the government have been pondering what it means to have so many private contractors for a long time. And not even just for the military. People, like, write bills. Like, you can hire people to write bills or hit control P or do whatever. Like, all of these government functions are now more and more being outsourced to private companies. What does that mean as a country? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who is really, like, driving this plane? Yeah. (sighs) So... I was reading through bits of this thing called the Bell Report that was given to President Kennedy, which is not an easily Googleable thing to find. <laughs> I didn't really dig for it. Um, where people, it's like 2,000 pages, I only read the summary, mm. of people wondering about this question, mm-hmm. right? Uh, specifically, it's related to research and development. Like, should there be military people overseeing research labs, but are we assigning them projects? Are we, you know, like, it's all yeah. muddy. Yeah, mm. because, um, like, it, if... If someone is in the government and needs to get a task done and then trusts a private company, then they have to take at face value what the private company says about their product without having done all the research and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. It's like kind of the FDA. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're, also their question in, in the 60s specifically is like, should we just throw more money at NASA and call it a day? <laughs> get to the moon. So <laughs> most of what I could read in this summary was very theoretical, right? Like if we hire blah, blah, blah contractor, this will happen. Regardless, the Bell Report, like I said, exists in the theoretical. We should do this. We should do that. We do get a banger of a quote, though, that I just wanted to read from okay. you. <laughs> it's from a guy named Helga Host. <laughs> Helga, let's go. Helga Host. One of the best ways to improve government's ability to manage is to have people moving back and forth from industry and government. I was like, oh my God, he say it out loud. <laughs> that is a thing we say on the podcast all the time is a bad. <laughs> That's <is> awful. <laughs> so. It's like Monsanto's revolving door. Literally. I was like, wow. oh my God, he fucking admitted it. <laughs> Mario? This be rad? Isn't that a meme? Is it? Oh my God, he admitted it. It's oh like my a- God. I don't know. It's a racist one. He's, he's Italian. Not fair. I, I, I'm, in fact, a quarter Italian. I Are to say you? That. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Why people are everything? <laughs> I managed to both be Irish and Italian and look like neither of those things. Irish and Italian put potatoes on my fucking pasta. This is a song? Was that a meme? Yeah, it's a part of a song. <laughs> Except it's Asian and Italian put soy sauce on my fucking pasta. What's the, the well, what's the one for African Americans, Amy? Oh, well, he's Asian and Italian. Well, <laughs> I feel not You made included. one up for the Irish. <laughs> yeah. You want to make one up make for African Americans? Yeah, make one up for Nigerians and Ethiopians, please. Right now, on the spot, quickly. <laughs> Oh my god, my microphone. <laughs> I think the. Gu- <laughs> I'm going through a tunnel, guys. <laughs> so that's our historical context, right? We've developed a lot of specialized technology and have created a new need for specialists in our time, right? Mm. But we've eliminated the law forcing civilians to do that. So, what incentive do you have to get people to create weapons of mass destruction or to participate in the government? Money. Sex. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's money. (laughs) So with that in mind, what sort of laws do we have on the books to make sure that the people whose only incentive is money uh, don't commit war crimes? Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) That's an interesting question, Uh, huh? Uh, If only it was sex, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Congress is just one big burlesque show. (laughs) Yeah. 
that. I get paid. And welcome to the stage, your representative from the state of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> the beautiful, the indelible, booty shaking. <laughs> Wait, it, in your mind. Uh-huh. Congress people paid with sex is not in sexual favors. It is in burlesque yeah. stage time. Yeah, and then and then you know they get tips. <laughs> Amy, what do you think burlesque is? <laughs> it's sexy. <laughs> I, as someone who works at the Newport Theater, <laughs> I mean that's yeah, the I whole like, point, right? That. That's the sell. I, whether whether the sell materializes, that's up to the performer girl. Well, they got to put I've, the work in. I've seen a lot of burlesque, and, and that lot of it is about sex. Yeah. I'm not titillated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be so real. Unfortunately, I'm not horned up. I, I've only been horned up by things that are like gross or like, yeah. you know, uh, scary. <laughs> Say more. In burlesque, you know, like just like off kilter. Like yeah. when it's a woman who shows her shoulder, I'm like, well, Ooh, I have shoulders and okay. I've seen many of other women's shoulders. Shout to the shoulder. I don't give a shit, you know, yeah. like of a classic routine. And this is so problematic. I should not be saying this on pod. As yeah, we're actually being real offensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not titillated, you know. Yeah. People find it entertaining. I'm not downing that. Sorry, dude. I, I watch burlesque and I'm not rock hard. I'm not hard. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> but when someone like cracks an egg or something oh, or like let's go. puts a needle through their skin mm, I'm like mm, yeah. that's the yeah. that's the stuff puts a needle through their skin yeah I've seen the things I've it seen. puts the needle through its skin or it gets the hose again <laughs> <laughs> it, it <just> anyway <laughs> the law's on the books to we, prevent let's cut all of that <laughs> From committing war crimes. First of all, this is kind of trite to say, but just because something is the law doesn't mean it's going to be followed. This podcast is not just going to be sitting around being like, but war crimes are illegal. Mm. (laughs) Um, But a written law is at least an attempt, right? An attempt at redressing some sort of harm that we've been doing to each other. A legal contract, if you will, between us and the government that will behave. So the USA does have a Uniform Code of Military Justice. It is an unreadable document that I think is hundreds of page long. I don't know. I saw Appendix 2 and I <laughs> almost <laughs> threw up and killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a set of rules that soldiers follow so they can be legally punished. They can be legally punished for breaking it. You know, perjury, assault, mm. quote, conduct unbecoming of an officer. Wet shoes after Labor Day. <laughs> I know. I say that as a joke. And I'm already going to go on a tangent. But one of the soldiers who was court-martialed for his crimes at Abu Ghraib, among charges of, like, conspiracy, maltreatment of detainees, etc., was going to be tried for adultery because he had, like, a presumably consensual relationship with another guard. <laughs> and they were going to, like... And all of the list of things they were going to try him for, adultery was on the list. <laughs> they didn't have to put his whole business out there they like didn't, that. They did not. But did you know it is illegal to commit adultery in the army? That's but now. Wild. They do include same-sex adultery. They did it before, but now oh, they do. Oh, inclusive. Diversity slay. Wow. <laughs> Equal opportunity cheating. I, I can't believe they'll bomb children, but they draw the line of infidelity. <laughs> and an extramarital sexual <laughs> conduct. <laughs> I think that's what they call it now. They don't call it adultery anymore. That's true. So I, I really Because they're not adults. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> It's just insane that, like, you know, a lot of people do the military as a job, right? Like, yeah. it's a they're career military people. Imagine getting hired at like a KFC. <laughs> and they find out you're you cannot. <laughs> I repeat, you cannot step out on your husband in this establishment. <laughs> and not only can you not step out on your husband, we will try you in a court of law. Yes. <laughs> you will be judged by the drumstick and the flat. <laughs> you will be tried in the bucket. <laughs> Amy, I wish I knew how your mind worked. I wish I could hop in there for a day. <laughs> oh, it's just dust motes and stalagmites. <laughs> Any dust motes? Oh, geology when lesson? When there's like a... <laughs> do you actually want me to explain this? Yeah, I do want to hear what yeah, a dust mode is. Okay, so like sometimes, you know, when there's like a beam of sunlight coming into a room, you kind of see stuff floating around in the air? Yeah. Oh. That's what that is. Oh, oh, I thought that was going to take you way longer to yeah, explain. Yeah, that's actually you know. really simple. That's beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Uniform Code of Military Justice does apply to non-soldiers as well, but here's the thing: it only applies to non-soldiers during wartime. Mm. And as we've we never declared war, <laughs> we Whoa. simply don't be at war. Thanks. Uh, so, while we can again use the UCMJ to apply to soldiers during like peacetime or whatever, mm. the 
bit about trying civilians for war crimes only applies during wartime mm-hmm. of people accompanying the military or serving mm-hmm. the military in some way, mm-hmm. like tangentially. And Make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm hearing that because normal private companies wouldn't really ever think to put, like, don't do war crimes in their employment contract. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. And also, like, uh, this is the argument that comes up again and again when they're defending themselves is, like, the I did contractors. Right. Okay. I did the war crime because I was told to do it or like mm. this was a necessary function of my job mm. is like shooting these people or doing this or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So basically daddy government made me do it. Daddy government made me do it. And then daddy government is like, well, not our kids, so we can't punish them. Right. And that's mm. honestly, that's kind of the theme of the rest of the Supreme Court cases I'm about to read you guys. Um, so, again, this I was going to wait to do this reveal, but this thing about like a. Uh, the UCMJ not applying to private contractors. Mm-hmm. This does change in 2007. Okay. So hmm. from like, for most of the time we're talking about on this podcast, it does not apply. Mm-hmm. But in 2007, of all people, Lindsey Graham, Republican, uh, whatever he is, uh, did include in the UCMJ like during wartime or contingency operations. So mm. now the law is updated. Okay. But for most of the time period we're talking about, uh-huh. it is not. Okay. I wanted to say that at the end, but then I could see the angry Reddit comment like coming at me. <laughs> like, she's wrong. It's mm-hmm. updated. And it's like, I was going to say it at the end, and I know you wouldn't listen that far. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Beat Saber. you got to strike down the hate comments as, as you see them coming. So the entire time period we're discussing this episode is pre this update to the UCMJ. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a Supreme Court case. 1957. Going back in okay. time. Do we know anyone who was, SCOT- who was on SCOTUS then? I didn't write any of them down. Okay, cool. Because I didn't give a shit. All right, fair. Mm. We're going to talk about a woman. It's about fucking time, right? Okay. Yes, Let's go women. Women's them. fucking food. Her name is Clarice B. Cover. She's a U.S. citizen living in England on a military base with her husband, who is a sergeant in the Air Force. Okay. okay. At some point, this husband winds up dead. And Clarice is the number one suspect of murder. <gasps> Clarice. That's cut. That's cool. <laughs> Legal- now I actually don't know if she did it because I I didn't read like that far into the case details. Yeah. The questions that come later are the things I was reading about. So legally, this crime was committed in England, but on an Air Force base. Whose job is it to try her for murder? Hmm. What the military decided to do was court martial her, mm-hmm. which is just like it- it's just court, but it's military. <laughs> okay. It's court, but a guy named Marshall <laughs> is the judge. And so is this like a physical location that they force her to report to? Or is it something that can happen overseas at any of the bases? I believe it can happen overseas at any of the bases. Okay. But that I did not Google that. That okay. is vibes only. Redditors. <laughs> Redditors, come, come eat. <laughs> yeah. So the, the court finds her guilty. And again, this is a military tribunal. This mm-hmm. is not a U.S. court of law. Mm-hmm. So... Who makes up the the deciding body? Of All military people. Like, every single one of them? Yep. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, do they get, like, an Amber Alert-style ping saying, did Clarice do it, hit yes or no, and, well, like, no, America they, like, votes? They hold, like, a trial, uh-huh. but it's, like, you know, sergeants and, like, oh, dudes okay. on, you know, in the jury yeah. or whatever, if you can call okay. it that. I don't think you can call it that. Okay. But it's a military tribunal, so it's uh-huh. all military dudes who do find her guilty of murder. Okay. However, mm. Clarice's lawyer appeals this up to the Supreme Court, arguing that court-martialing civilians takes away their constitutional right to, like, a fair trial in the U.S. Hmm, <sighs> interesting. And he's got a bit of a point here. Does she yeah. get away with it? No, the Supreme Court was like, no, the military was right. She killed her husband, probably. But then, oh! but then... The lawyer just makes a petition and then re-puts it in front of the Supreme Court, and then they go, yeah, we changed our mind. What? Which, when does that ever happen? Did, like, something, like, new evidence show up or something? Nope. They just petitioned it back up Whoa. with apparently a very compelling legal argument that, like, you should not try civilians in a military tribunal. Yeah. I hope she did it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope she killed the lawyer after. <laughs> and I'll kill again. <laughs> Let's go. (laughs) The 6-2 ruling on Reed v. Covert is if a a civilian commits a capital crime on some sort of military base or, you know, some sort of military capacity, whatever, they will be tried in a U.S. court of law, not a military court of law. Okay. So that means that Clarice then had to go through the U.S. court system as a normie? Okay. I don't think they ever did that. (gasps) I think she just got away with it. Shouts. (laughs) Free Clarice. Let's 
go. Free my dog. Let's go. So this is just like relevant info for you to have mm-hmm. for all of the episodes later. When okay. you're like, why did they not sue them right then and there on the spot? Yeah. Well, they can't. They have to go all the way to the U.S. Somebody else typically has to like file a, a thing against them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. So- some by someone else that would mean possibly the US government or someone who was wronged by like let's say you were one of the victims of Abu Ghraib right uh-huh uh, what is your next step you're right. released do you find a lawyer and fly to the US each right. it's yeah. really hard to sue yeah. them through the Iraqi system right yeah. so typically like a nonprofit like the Center for Constitutional Rights will approach these people and be mm-hmm. like hey we're going to make like a a lawsuit with all of you mm-hmm. and sue this company mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. that is what has happened since okay. then Okay. So the military can't do it themselves like they did with the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Somebody else basically has to come in and be like, okay. here you go. So it is going to yet another outside company right. to make up for the wrongs of the other outside company <laughs> that was done because the U.S. government asked them nicely to do it. <laughs> basically nailed it. Oh, my God. So uh, that's like part one, mm-hmm. uh, which, okay. you know, it'll come up at some point later in this podcast. Not this one specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh I wrote bit of a break in the script. <laughs> How okay. are we doing? We understanding? Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> Blender? <laughs> <laughs> I've, just been, I've been really trying to cough for a long time, though, so I'm glad. You're allowed to cough any time on this I don't podcast. want to mess the edit up. It would give you more to do. <laughs> I don't edit this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. Well, I'm sorry everyone just heard me cough. Just uh, All that stuff I said about editing Chris Drady's name out, <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> I'm not uh, doing it. Count your days, brother. <laughs> so, here's another law. At him. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening. Here's another law I'd like us to get familiar with. Okay. Does anyone have their pencils out? The Federal no. Tort Claims Act. Federal oh, tort. Tw- that was mentioned in Legally Blonde. And tell me about it. Do you remember anything from the movie Legally Not Blonde? Not at all. I, I remember that uh, she's awesome. <laughs> you didn't remember the white shoes after Labor Day quote. I noticed that didn't get a laugh before. <laughs> <laughs> the Federal Tort Claims Act contains a discretionary function exception that says the U.S. cannot be held liable for any employee's failure to exercise or perform a discretionary duty. This is a lot of words. I will explain what those words mean. Okay. Here's a fairly easy to understand example. Let's say the government hires a private contractor to build dikes for some 95 acres of land. Mm-hmm. I'm pausing for laughter. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I, is it appropriate? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> but once this contractor successfully and correctly builds these dikes, the natural result of having them in place is that the 95 acres of land it's supposed to protect wind up getting eroded because water was supposed to get there and now it doesn't get there. Mm-hmm. So the guy who lives on said land sues. The company uh, The company then successfully argues, sorry, there's a guy who lives on the land who's like, my land is all dry now, and this mm. company built the dike that made my land dry. So I'm going to sue fault. the company. Yeah. It's your fault. And they were like, well, we did exactly what the government told us to do. That is a discretionary action. That is an exemption to this, like, tort law. Okay. So this, if this guy is trying to sue the U.S. government, or su- sue this company, you know, they get to be like, well, the government told us to do it, and we did it exactly as planned. And that's you know. So as just long, what yeah, as long as company follows exactly what the government tells them to do, then they are basically they Immune. have a get, yeah they have a get out of jail free card for anyone else that tries to complain in an official capacity. Correct. Okay. Uh, I have a question. Please. I don't know what a dyke is if it's not referring to a cool lesbian. <laughs> so I have been completely lost. This I believe life. it's a dam. Well, why not just say dam? <laughs> Because <laughs> what the what is what is happening? I think it's like so, like different in a way, but I actually don't know. I hate this place. <laughs> I, I, I have a boyfriend now. I'm just desperate to say it, <laughs> and I want to say it anyway. I can't <laughs> come to Lesbian Lodge. <laughs> but also, like in the example I was reading online, it said dykes, so I just like put it in. Fair enough. <laughs> Who wrote that online out of all of the structures? You know what? I didn't write down. It's it's in the notes. I don't know. I was reading about the Federal Tort Claims Act, and it was some, like, federal thing that was explaining it, but I don't remember what it was. It's making me want, like, a lemon tort. It's making me want a little Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Why is that everyone's, every lesbian's favorite white woman? I, 
She's just the first. She's the most popular one. I'm supposed to make a niche reference. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. make one right now. Oh no, <laughs> name a lesbian. <laughs> wow, coming from the biggest JoJo Siwa fan I know, <laughs> to not even think about her. <laughs> <laughs> Leave her alone. <laughs> she's doing military propaganda right now. I can't. Oh, I no! can't say no, it. for real. But she's just she's on the US, the TV show Special Forces, which is just like celebrities going through military training. <laughs> And then, like, they're like, wow, the soldiers are so brave. And I, I listen, <laughs> like, the whole thing is just military. No, right? like, oh my God, the military is so hard. Like, it's so cool. It's so badass. And she's just on it. I don't know. I, she I, puts I have... that ponytail down, and the propaganda comes out. <laughs> the P in ponytail. Control P propaganda. <laughs> So, in a more complex example of the Federal Tort Claims Act, we're going to jump to the 80s. <laughs> Suppose for a second, uh, go for it. No, say it. You clearly, you're cooking something and you want to release it. Go for it. it. Control P, Popo P, <laughs> That's Control P, 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 What's going on over there? This is just for Amy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Jojo Siwa, but you replace everything with a P. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Uh, that was for me. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Suppose for a second, you're a private military contractor. Your company builds a helicopter for the military. Now, in this specific design of helicopter, every single one that you build, the escape hatch doesn't work for the co-pilot because <gasps> the design is wrong. That's kind of funny. <laughs> so unfortunately, the consequences for this design failure are deadly. Mm. David A. Boyle, a United States Marine co-pilot, crashed his helicopter off the Virginia coast during a training exercise. Oh. Antonin Scalia words like the rest of it in the final opinion, quote, Although Boyle survived the impact of the crash, he was unable to escape from the helicopter and he drowned. <gasps> oh my God, what an awful way to go. Right, he dies mm. a panicked, hor- not you, ang, drowning. Drowning is supposedly peaceful. Mm. I think maybe with a burning helicopter around you, it's a you little You immediately less. go in the water. Not, <laughs> you're not burning for long. Well, you know, especially when you're trying to get out and the hatch doesn't work and the one thing that just, it's supposed just to do- Just give in and let the water soak over you. <laughs> Find your peace, center no. yourself, accept your fate. He does not do that. He dies a panicked, horrified death. Well, it sounds like a choice. And his family <laughs> sues the government. I'm cutting that shit. <laughs> Surely, building a defective design is not protected under this exemption that we just talked about, right? Mm. No way. The government wouldn't hire you guys to make a fucked up helicopter, right? Well, well yeah, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> So there's nothing in the Federal Tort Claims Act that mentions, like, what if the design was fucked up, right? So what does the Supreme Court do? That's their question to answer. The design was fucked up. Does this same exemption apply? Uh, and they just kind of invent, invent a law for themselves. That's what the Supreme Court does. Oh my like God. I said, Antonin Scalia is on this court. Basically, they say, well, the designs for the helicopter were approved by the United States. Therefore... Private military contractors are, in fact, immune from liability for fatal design flaws. What? <laughs> I'm sure this will never come up again. This is crazy. <laughs> so they are immune in so many ways from any legal uh, oh my scrutiny. Oh, God. Right. It was a and then that doesn't hold the government like designers accountable no. either to like actually make sure that the designs are good because, no. oh, my God. Isn't it kind of crazy to think, like, the other day I went to Chipotle and I was like, should I get carnitas or barbacoa and like other people are making these kind of decisions <laughs> like well, which one did you get i got carnitas I'm, I'm i'm really having a carnitas face i'm in my carnitas era <laughs> how many times have you had carnitas recently it's actually been like three times oh in like God. the past one i can't judge i go to fancy plants every day like every day and this is where i mostly work on the podcast and also they're open until seven o'clock now wednesdays Ooh. through saturdays <laughs> This is a fancy plant sponsored podcast. <laughs> and meanwhile, someone in the Supreme Court is making a law for themselves. Right. They they invent laws all the time because there are a lot of like, you know, gaps in our legislation. Because there's there's just so many situations out there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so the Supreme Court does have to sort of legislate from the bench a lot, even though they say that's not what they're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So 
Uh, so this basically means that if I was the U.S. government and I was just like feeling kind of crazy kooky one day, I could s- sign like I could hire um, uh, an independent contractor to uh, create a machine that as they construct it, it will kill the employee that is making it. <laughs> and then if their family tries to sue me, they'll be like, oh, they did such a good job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they did exactly what the- it specified. Yeah. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> That's nuts. Right. So, we got another one to talk about. I wonder if Antonin Scalia ever had a carnitas. <laughs> <laughs> I think Antonin Scalia is a carnitas now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this control pee pork. <laughs> I was gonna say that's like a, a Republican funeral. They turn you into carnitas. Oh my god! <laughs> Put you back in the ecosystem. <laughs> So, we got another one to cover. This one is Keobel versus Royal Dutch Petroleum Company. This has nothing to do with the military. But it will have an impact on the legal standing of how much we can hold private contractors accountable for their bullshit. Background. This is a case brought on behalf of the late Dr. Baronum Keobel against the Royal Dutch Petroleum Company, which is just Shell. I don't know why they were dead naming her in all the court documents. (laughs) It's just Shell. (laughs) <laughs> I've never seen it referred to as the Royal Dutch Petroleum Company. <laughs> like, um, Their name is Shell. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> so uh, it's brought on behalf of uh, the late Dr. Baron of Keobel against Shell. Uh, for, back- for more background on the case, I'm going to read from an amicus summary thing written by the Center for Constitutional Rights. Quote, Keobel v. Royal Dutch Petroleum Company is a lawsuit brought against Shell on behalf of the late Dr. Baron Keobel and 11 other Nigerian activists from the Ogoni area of the Niger Delta who were tortured and executed by a military dictatorship in Nigeria in 1995. The activists were part of the movement for the survival of the Ogoni people and has campaigned against the environmental damage caused by Shell's extractive Mm. activities in the Niger Delta. Relatives of the victims alleged Shell was complicit in the torture and killing of the activists. So, to expand a little bit more, the thing I was reading from was a summary after all. Shell employees were not taking part of the torture, the abuse, what have you. But from what I'm understanding, they were providing transportation, food, and shelter to the officials who were carrying this out. Oh, okay. So they directly benefit from having less activists protesting their extractive Mm -hmm. oil practice, Mm -hmm. or, you know, practices. And they allegedly logistically aided in it. Aided in it, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So the Shall quest- we say. <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> so the question the Supreme Court is answering is not, did Shell do it? Mm-hmm. Yes or no. The question they're meant to answer is, okay, they helped do a human rights abuse, but it was in another country, so do we care? <laughs> oh my God. That's like the question that they're answering. Exactly worded like that. So on April 27th of 2013. My birthday. It's giving. The Supreme Court, you were literally born that day. (laughs) Turning 11 next year. I'm this many. (laughs) Uh, uh, The Supreme Court ruled that actually we do not care. Here's what the majority opinion ends on. Quote, on these facts, all relevant conduct took place outside the United States. And even where claims touch and concern the territory of the United States, they must do so with sufficient force to displace the presumption against extraterritorial application. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Corporations are often present in many countries, Mm -hmm. and it would reach too far to say that mere corporate presence suffices. If Congress were to determine otherwise, a statute more specific than the Alien Tort Statute would be required. So they're saying, basically, we don't have a law saying, we don't have a law saying that companies can't do this, Mm. and we're not going to write one as a Supreme Court. You guys do that. And if we were to sit here and listen to cases of every company doing something bad overseas, we would just be here all day. Yeah. So unless it significantly touches and concerns the United States in a way that ruins the vibe, we do not care and we're not going to legally prosecute for companies doing bad things overseas. Is this making sense? Yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. But I understand like the words that you are saying, <laughs> even though I don't like them. <laughs> I was asking, like, do you understand? Like, oh, you guys get it, right? <laughs> really, we can't. <laughs> so they're basically saying that um, a lot of American business activity abroad just is 
it would it would become untenable to like be have jurisdiction over everything yeah. because too many bad things happen and if we want to make a systematic change then I'm not going to do it. Y'all do it. Right. Y'all do it. We can't do it from the bench. It's like organizing a prison break because the logic is they can't catch us all. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Shout out to my people who broke out of prison. (laughs) (laughs) Same by name on the podcast. Uh, Greg? (laughs) (laughs) So, what have we learned so far, legally speaking? For the time period that this podcast season will cover, roughly like 2002 to 2007, Private military contractors are effectively complete civilians in other countries, and they're not subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. They can cheat on whoever the hell they want. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Can, they can step out on their on their wives and their husbands and their days. I love that you're saying step out. <laughs> and they can step out on their days now. <laughs> if a contractor is to build something completely fucked up in such a condition that, let's say, a soldier dies from it unnecessarily, mm. they are granted effective immunity from the United States under the discretionary exemption of the Federal Tort Claims Act. It's the Wild West. If a company's employees are part of some heinous crime in another country, we don't really care about prosecuting it here unless it significantly touches and concerns the United States. What would that mean? Like, what is the threshold for significantly touching or concerning? I mean, that's what—that's how a lot of legal documents are written. Right. And the point is, there is no quantitative yeah, yeah. definition. And, and, like, you can argue that. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, that is what we have learned so far. I only have one more thing for you. Okay. And it's the—it's kind of under the Freedom of Information Act, kind of not. Hmm. Uh, there's a guy named Dan Gutman, and legendary iconic diva, methinks. <laughs> <laughs> and— He is presenting at a congressional hearing in 2002. Mm. The congressional hearing is titled, Who's Doing Work for the Government? Monitoring Accountability and Competition in the Federal and Service Contract Workforce. Which I know is so dry when I read it out loud, but I saw this, I was like, who is doing the work for the government? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, it's asking a lot of questions that I would like the answers to. Diva, I wanted the answers to the questions, too. (laughs) I'm reading this, and Dan Gutman makes a slightly over five-minute speech, which is absolutely gripping for me to read. And uh, it's linked in the, you know, description if you want to read it yourself. (laughs) He basically raises all of the questions that I'm interested in for this podcast. If if you've got private companies doing work for the government in any capacity, Mm -hmm. from, like, crazy nuclear explosions to, like, banal paperwork, what does oversight look like? What transparency laws govern them? As he puts it, quote, if General Motors says you cannot talk in the lunchroom, that's General Motors. If the U.S. government tells someone they can't talk in a lunchroom, that's a First Amendment question. Mm. The ethics provisions, the conflict of interest rules, the Freedom of Information Act, the political rule, the Hatch Act, they all apply to officials. The question of what is an inherently governmental function is not nitpicking scholastic tax code debates, as it so often seems to be today. It's a very practical question. After September 11th, does it make a difference to us if the people who are out on the front line of homeland defense are subject to the limits of our Constitution, Mm. subject to the statutory rules that govern officials? Maybe it does. Maybe it does not. But that is what is an inherently governmental question is. It's not an effort to get people to do some kind of homework. <laughs> you may be wondering, why was he hammering home the like homework <laughs> aspect yeah. of it? Um, it's because he was directly arguing with, of all people, Senator Dick Durbin. What? Who's currently our senator <laughs> in Illinois. Wow. So Dick Durbin is sort of like, it doesn't, all, this, all these questions that you're raising, like, it doesn't matter. The, you're basically a law student, you know, <laughs> doing a paper. <laughs> these are not questions that are going to impact us, you know. At any point. But Dan Gutman is sitting here right after 9-11 being like, if we are sending private companies overseas to do God knows what, do we have laws for that or no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not a, a homework question. <laughs> so Dick Durbin and Dan Gutman kind of like get after it. <laughs> they get into it. <laughs> and I need to pause for a second to ask you both about this Dick Durbin quote. <laughs> okay. You don't necessarily need to follow the line of questioning or even the context of what Dick Durbin is saying. You'll know what I'm asking. So uh, Dan Gutman says... When you have work that's already contracted out or new work and there's no existing federal workforce, no incumbent workforce performing the work, the question has to be asked, what strategic benefit to the government do you get by creating a workforce to compete in an environment where there's already full competition? Doesn't matter what the question is. Dick Durbin says, I will tell you what it is. It's called competition. And recalling Jack Nicholson's statement in a movie, I do not think you can take competition. What movie is he quoting here? Jack Nicholson? Is, he, is that? Is he, 
bastardized and you can't handle the truth? Yeah. Okay, so I asked my boyfriend and he said, I think yeah. he's bastardized and you can't handle the truth because <laughs> yeah, he doesn't think... remember the quote. Yeah, that's Tom yeah. Cruise, right? No, that's the ja- lawyer. No, it's Jack Nicholson who's the lawyer who's saying you can't handle the truth. I know, but played by. What? 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 Jack, Jack, Jack Nicholson's an actor. Oh my God. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> like... Where's the Dick Dermot? <laughs> ah! Caught on my. Mike. <laughs> I've never been more invested in my life. <laughs> this is vindication for the whole Monsanto season of you having all the answers to everything. And Blender was like, how come you never ask a question about movies or anything? I know. <laughs> This is a seasons long arc. <laughs> I'm turning so red. <laughs> I'm kicking my little feetsies. I wish I could run away. <laughs> but I do know you can't handle the truth. <laughs> Even if it was not Tom Cruise. You know, I spoken by actual lawyer Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Wait, but like <laughs> Did Tom Cruise play a character named Jack Reacher? I don't know. What? Jack, Jack Reacher Reacher's a familiar. whole different character. Oh, okay. okay. But, but was Jack Reacher played by Tom Cruise? I don't think so. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the light key, the light is fading. The walls are closing in. <laughs> Never ask me about a movie. <laughs> you got and you answered so strong. I, <laughs> I thought I was right. So yeah, I do believe he's misquoting you can't handle the truth, mm-hmm. but what I, is that what what movie is that quote from? A, a few good men. Okay. Um, which I did not know. I had to ask my boyfriend about that. <laughs> he, he would know. He's a white man. He's a white He's a, a man over 40 who's seen movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the only honest-to-God journalism I've ever done on this podcast because there's been no outlet that has reported on this little interaction mm. of Dick Durbin misremembering a few good men. <laughs> and it's made me think about, like, if I want to make a point to someone or if yeah. I'm in an argument, I'm just going to misquote a bunch of movies. <laughs> the wickedly talented Adele. It's like Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a scheme. <laughs> Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and stop calling me Dick Durbin. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this may be the dumbest episode we have ever done. I knew that was going to crush at the end. Because I, this is a very, very lengthy um, hearing, okay? Mm-hmm. This document that I was reading through is so long. And I felt so vindicated to find one funny thing in it. <laughs> so, also, uh, Dan Gutman continues at some point, and he says the following, quote, We were exporting corruption under the name of exporting good governance, because we ourselves did not understand what we were doing with our contract. And we did not understand what we were doing when we were going over there. He said this March 6th of 2002, just shy of a year before we sent troops to Iraq to do the same thing he was describing. Jesus. Oh my gosh. So, to leave you guys on that note, that's kind of the end of this episode. Okay. It's sort of uh, laying the dressing of what's to come, mm-hmm. which is exporting a lot of bullshit, exporting corruption under the name of good governance, mm. and trying to figure out what the shit we're doing over there. Mm. Uh, so we're going to be talking about specific companies moving on through the season, and okay. it's going to be very silly. There's a couple that are quite humorous, okay. dare I say, and there's uh, so many that are not. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I'm leaving you guys today. That's the the Supreme Court things that have happened, the laws that have happened, the historical context. Mm. How are we feeling? It's just so crazy to me that like the Supreme Court has it it, like seems to have both an incredibly active and legislative portion to them but also aggressively outsources things back to other branches of government in a way that is really inconsistent to me it's politically convenient yeah that's i think that's the thread that you're missing you know it's like (laughs) well do we really care about this one politically or not right Yeah. yeah yeah and i think that is what sucks about having the Supreme Court be such like a deeply political entity is mm-hmm. that what it considers to be politically worthy or not worthy changes fundamentally depending on who is living and dying in the Supreme Court at any given time. Dead ass. Dead and it makes ass. me wonder like 
Did you say dead ass? I said dead ass. Oh, like, okay. You said based on who is living or dead, and I said dead ass, dead and ass. I said it again for like New York and say, eh. New York and say. <laughs> well, because it makes me wonder, like. <laughs> are we done? Are we done laughing? <laughs> no, I was thinking about you saying like, it's like New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans. Sorry. Okay, I'm 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 back. <laughs> it just makes me wonder, like, would things have gone differently if the Supreme Court, like, you took, you copied and pasted one Supreme Court from one part of U.S. history and like plugged it in at another one? Like, how much would that have changed mm. the course of the Iraq War or like any other historical conflicts? Mm-hmm. Really makes you think. Really makes you think mm. if I knew more than like seven of them. <laughs> I know, but like that's also a thing. Like we just treat, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't know. Listen to the 5 4 podcast. It's a podcast about how much the Supreme Court sucks. It's but, the same format basically as this podcast. Okay. And they just take a Supreme Court case and they talk about, you know, the justices on it or like mm-hmm. what they thought. Mm-hmm. They're all lawyers. They're actually qualified to talk about these things. Oh, cool. I know. And they're like funny. <laughs> Uh, see, I am n- not a business expert. I did not get my degree in it, mm-hmm. and I'm barely qualified as a comedian. <laughs> You're essentially running a business, though. <laughs> I'm running a business of uh, sitting around and talking into a microphone with my friends. <laughs> and going to fancy plants. And going to fancy plants. Yeah, yeah I, I'm keeping fancy plants in business. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a full-time job, baby. It, I'm frequently the only one in there. <laughs> oh, I came up with a joke, but I need you to say, here's my sources. It's not actually a real piece of paper, but... Here's my sources. Oh, that's actually just the recipe for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Why is it so long? Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of extra steps. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the joke. And how no are you feeling? Um, Yet another episode that makes me really uh, kind of want to die, because America sucks. Yeah! All right, well, <laughs> that's been Busted Business Bureau. Uh, I'm Christian Borky. Uh, that's Amy Doe and Blender Blewett. Okay. Uh, do you guys want to plug anything before we go? What you got? Um, <laughs> Come to PowerPoint Night Live. Yeah. Um, go to Dueling Pianos and go to the Lesbian Lodge. And go yeah. to the Not That Late Show. Yeah, yeah, that too, which will be making a little shift in the, in the new year. Yeah. Also, I got hope maybe by the time this is out, I have a new EP out called Autism Over Yautism. <laughs> Hold on. Shut uh, the fuck I, just, up. <laughs> I just thought it was a really funny title. Yautism? Yeah. Yeah. It's my new catchphrase. <laughs> I'm autistic, so I can say it. <laughs> just, just, just to be clear, I'm not being mean. <laughs> I'm not being mean. <laughs> but yeah, yo. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, that was a huge character development from the Monsanto season. <laughs> Leonard Blue <Blewett> got autistic. <laughs> Caught a case of the chism. <laughs> Sometimes you get late diagnosed, y'all. Yeah. Bear- <laughs> hey, procrastination. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Uh, I, I got nothing else to say. Oh, yeah.